Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Really excited to have on the show today, Lolly Daskal, who is one of the most sought-after executive leadership coaches in the world. Her extensive cross-cultural expertise spanned 14 countries, six languages, and hundreds of companies. As the founder and CEO of Lead From Within, her proprietary leadership program is engineered to be a catalyst for leaders who want to enhance performance and make a meaningful difference in their companies, their lives, and the world. Of her many awards and accolades, Lolly was designated as a top 50 leadership management expert by Inc. And Huffington Post honored her as the most inspiring woman in the world. Her writing has appeared in HBR, Inc., Fast Company, Huffington Post, Psychology Today, and many others. And she's coming out with a new book called The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness, which comes out in May. So this, if you're listening to this episode, uh, once it goes live in April, um, we'll talk a little bit about some of the pre-order bonuses. But if you're listening to this in May or, or later, definitely check out the book. But Lolly, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Great. So the way I like to kick it off is just to know a little bit more about you and what led you to what you're doing today. And then specifically also like why you decided to write the book, but we'll get to that in a second, but a little bit more about you would be great. So I've been doing what what I'm doing now for over three decades. And I didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, Lolly Daskal is going to be an executive coach. It didn't happen that way. I was doing something that I really love. I was teaching a workshop in personal development many years ago, and I really I was enjoying myself. I was teaching breathing and meditation and centering and grounding because I was always interested in human behavior and human psychology. And it was just something that I was very, very passionate about. And while I was in that workshop, an individual approached me and said, you know, I have this problem at work. And he started to talk to me about something that he was struggling with. And he was a movie producer. And we were talking. And one of the things that I did was, and it's actually in my new book, is that instead of trying to fix his problem, I ended up navigating him through his problem. And that's a leadership style that I really recommend. It's something that instead of somebody says, oh, you know, I have this big problem, I have this big challenge, most of us will say, okay, this is what you need to do, A, B, C, and D. And what I did was I asked him open-ended questions. And at the end, he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this. And he felt so empowered and he felt really, really good about himself. He's like, you know what? You need to be in my life. And he hired me on the spot to become his coach. I was very successful with him and he ended up recommending me to all his friends. And as I think there was an old commercial that said, and so on and so on and so on. And three decades later, here I am, I'm still doing what I love to do and I'm still asking open-ended questions. And as a coach, I never try to fix anybody's problem, but I try to navigate through their problems. Okay, great. So my question is this, I think leadership is somewhat of a nebulous concept. Uh, I'm curious, how do you approach that, both from the perspective of like a writer writing a book on the topic, but also as somebody who like applies this in the real world. So like, what is leadership exactly? So it's a great question. What is leadership? 
I even wrote a book, A Hundred Definitions of What Leadership Is, because if you ask individuals, if I'm in a workshop and I'll start the workshop and say, what is leadership? If there's 50 people, I'll get 50 answers that are different. If there's 100 people, I'll get 100 different answers. I think leadership is very individual to each person. And the only thing that I could do here today is talk about what leadership is to me. Leadership to me is how my company started. It's about leading from within. It's about setting an example first for yourself, about yourself, and then leading from the inside out, meaning put your value straight, put your mind straight, put your belief straight. It's only when we have our insides correct can we really be great on the outside. And I think that's true leadership. So in that context, though, also, like, how do we, how do we learn leadership and actually inculcate that in ourselves or or even how can it be trained from the outside? And I don't know, is, is leadership something we can you know, personally learn and develop on our own? It's a great question. Again, I just had this conversation. I was speaking at a university yesterday and someone came over and he asked me, you know, how can I be a leader? And I said, well, who do you admire? And he goes, well, I admire a lot of people. I said, so is there Think of the one person that you admire, the, any traits that you like about that person. They said, oh, yeah, there are many. I said, well, do you ever think about emulating that traits? And he said, oh, no, no, I would never emulate anybody. That's that person. I want to be my own person. I said, yes. But when we admire something and a trait in someone else, it's usually because we have it inside ourselves. We just have to find it and discover it. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's true because I admire him, you know, that he does things with such integrity and I'm all about integrity. I said, well, there it is. And so I said, to define yourself, you just have to clue in to what you're very passionate about and stand up for it. I think leadership for me is, as I said earlier, it starts from within, but yet it's showing an example of something that can empower people to be better within themselves. And I think that's great leadership. Okay, so tell me a little bit about this idea of of the leadership gap itself. You know, what what is that? And then I guess, how do we close that gap? Right. So the book that I wrote is called The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. And this is what I have noticed in the 30 years that I have been doing my business, that I've been a coach and a business consultant. And in the past, I would say seven years, I work with entrepreneurs and startups There is a pattern that exists within every single human being, even if you like it or you don't like it, this is the truth, is that within us, there is a part that can lead us to great success, but sometimes those same parts can lead us down a path that we don't like, what I call the gaps. It usually makes us frustrated about ourselves. It usually is keeps us back from where we want to be. It usually challenges us in a way that we get upset and it doesn't give us the results that we want. So I'll give you an example so it can really understand how it is. One of the leadership styles are, and there's seven of them, Let's say the first one is the rebel. Mm -hmm. The rebel is an individual who really wants to do something magnificent in the world, something different. It's something that hasn't been done before, and they're very, very passionate about it. And in order to make that happen, you need to have the characteristic of confidence. You need to be extremely confident in order to make it happen. But this is very important to Mark, that confidence is not standing in front of a mirror and saying, I'm great. 
I'm fantastic. I'm wonderful. I could make this happen. That's not confidence. What I think about when I talk about confidence and when I teach my leaders about having confidence, it's about having the capabilities and having the competence, right? The mastering those skills to do what you need to do. And when you have those capabilities, when you have those competence, then you know what to do. And then that's where the confidence comes from. And so I always say to my clients, confidence is believing you're able, but competence is knowing you're able. And that's a big game changer for a lot of people. It's one thing to believe something. It's another thing to know something. So when you really want to create a great idea and something new, you have to be the rebel who is confident. But for every rebel that exists out there, there is a gap. And the gap is the imposter who has self-doubt. So it looks like this. I want to do something great, but then you start talking to yourself and you say, oh, I don't, I'm not that smart. I don't think I'm deserving enough of this. I don't think I'm worthy enough of this. I didn't go to the right schools. I didn't get the right education. I don't belong in that crowd. Whatever the talk is that you say to yourself, it causes you to have self-doubt. And guess what? It will become the gap that keeps you from your greatness, which is being the rebel who's confident. It's like that with every single one of my leadership styles. There's a polarity within us that exists that keeps us from doing the things we want to do. And I'm seeing this on the, the book sales page right now that you have the, the, uh, several of these leadership gaps identified, like the imposter, the exploiter, the deceiver, et cetera, et cetera. Do these line up one-to-one with what you are defining as kind of like your leadership styles, the rebel, the explorer, et cetera? Right. So for the rebel, there's a gap. The explorer, there's a gap. A truth teller, there's a gap. And it's actually a rethink model. It's an acronym for the seven archetypes. And they line up because in psychology, I have found that these are the gaps, as Jung used to call them. These are the shadows that happen within us. When we're trying to achieve something great, there's always going to be something to challenge us, to hold us back. And so if you want to take yourself to the next level, it's never a point A to B. It doesn't work that way in life. There's all these bunch of detours, which are called failures, mistakes, and challenges. And what happens between where we are and where we want to go are gaps. Our gaps tend to show up because the parts of ourselves that I call our gaps only show up when we're stressed, frustrated, when we feel challenged, when we feel we're not at our best. And so that's when you notice them most. Yeah. So that that was going to be my next question was how do we, I guess, how do we know the type of leader we are? And then conversely, what that gap is. And, and, And so we can actually, I don't know, seek to, to remedy that. Great question. Great, great question. And the answer is not what you think it is, because for the past, I would say, I don't know how many years, most assessments, most studies that are out there, anything that you study about archetypes and personas, you find that you have to become a certain person. And that's who you are. Either you become a certain initial, you become a certain color, depending what assessment you take. It's only one thing. But what I learned as a Jungian is that we're the sum of all our parts. These archetypes are situational. You're not a rebel today and not a rebel tomorrow. It's I need to be a rebel in this meeting or I need to be a hero in this relationship or maybe I need to be a truth teller to my partner and maybe I need to learn to be the navigator more with my clients. So these archetypes, what makes them so enriching is that it's more situational than it is, okay, you're only one archetype, you're never another. Got it. So then does that mean that 
the the gaps themselves change as well based on the, like gap- the scenario or the circumstance? So the gaps always correlate to the archetype, you know, that uh, line up to it. the okay, archetype. Sure. So it's it's the yin and the yang of that archetype of that persona. So if you're a truth teller, right, which is the greatness part of the archetype, the twin of that is the deceiver who causes suspicion. So that's how it usually works. The archetype itself has the gap, has what I would say the dark and the light, the shadow and the light. Is this essentially kind of just taking the ideas of like saying, okay, you have this like specific style and your best days your X, Y, and Z, but on your worst days, you might tend to to go to the extreme. Is it just like taking kind of characteristics and taking them to their extreme? And that's that's essentially the gap? It's a great point, but I don't even think it's extreme because mm-hmm. really good, wonderful human beings mm-hmm. tend to sometimes, they're in a conversation and they tend to leave out, withhold information. And they don't realize that by withholding information, by not telling the whole truth, which is a fantastic um, archetype, right? It's a greatness archetype. What happens is by not telling the whole truth, the person listening on the other end of the phone call, if you're in sales or if you're doing anything online, if you leave out information, the other person listening can say, why are they not telling me the whole truth? And so you create suspicion and you beca- and people say, I don't know if I want to buy from this person. I don't know if I want to be aligned with this person. So it's more about that's how these archetypes work. It's like one is light, one is dark, one is great, one is gap. And the great thing about it is you could ask yourself in any given moment, which one I want to be. In this phone call alone, in this podcast alone, we can be all of these seven archetypes. It's just not one. It's not about days. It's situational. It's moment to moment. Yeah. And then with that in mind, though, I guess, you know, the person who's listening to this, obviously, I would definitely pick up the book and get more details. And unfortunately, I don't have a, a copy with me to have read it beforehand. But so I'm going to ask some questions that maybe you do cover in the book. But I'm curious about how do we make that practical in our lives? Because I've taken a lot of these diagnostic type surveys and, and questionnaires and things like that. And I've always find them fascinating. This is the type of person you are or something like that. Like, I think there's like Strengths Finder 2.0, yeah. things like that. And yeah. I, I, I don't doubt that there's some value, but I always find personally for me, like I'll take something like that. I'll be like, okay, interesting. So this is the kind of person I am. I think about it a little bit. And then mm-hmm. I basically just go back to, to living my life because to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never felt that there's a real practical way to apply this stuff. Um, so I'm just curious, like, how do you deal with that? And that, that can be a, a question both that you maybe cover in the book itself, but also a broader scope with the consulting you do with the things you've done. Like, how do you actually make this like, practical, tangible, so that people can actually apply this to their lives? It's such a great question. So I hit upon it earlier within our conversation, and I'd like to elaborate it right now. What's so great about this system is, is that it's instantaneously. So let's take an example. I don't know. Are you married, by the way? I am, yes. Okay. I am sure in your relationship, your wife has come to you and said, honey, I have a problem. Has that ever happened before? Uh, yeah, I would assume it has. I'd have to really <laughs> think about it. She's pretty self-sufficient. Uh, she said, okay, well, so. most most marriages, sure. usually the husband goes to the wife and the wife goes to the husband yep. and they say, honey, I have a problem. It's not yep. usually, it's not gender related. It's more about, I need mm-hmm. help. You know, they, sure. it, and I hear this a lot about marriages. So they go, oh, I need help. In that given moment, you could say to yourself, okay, they're coming to me for help. You can say, I have a choice right now. 
I can help this person. So I'm going to just use wife and husband, okay? Just just yeah, for the matter. Sure. It's usually it goes both ways. So mm-hmm. let's say the wife comes to the husband and says, I need help. So the husband can say, you know what, honey? I could help you. And they start to say, you need to do this. Why didn't you do that yesterday? I did it 10 years ago and it worked that way for me. I have a bunch of buddies that have tried this and it's working. Usually the wife will walk away extremely defeated. Mm. You have a choice in that moment to say, oh, I know this. I know this system and I can do this. I can be a navigator instead of a fixer because a navigator empowers people and a fixer comes across as arrogant. So if you know the model, you know this is a shortcut, you know this language, and you can say to yourself, oh, honey, you have a problem? What is the problem? Can you tell me more about it? And you become more of a listener than you become a fixer. And trust me, it will save the marriage. It will make your wife be more endearing towards you. And it will not break down communications. Becoming a fixer breaks down communication. Becoming a navigator gets you a 30-year coaching experience, (laughs) sustainable business. Mm -hmm. I'm a navigator. I don't fix problems. I navigate through them. And I always have to ask myself because I know how to fix things, but I really have to say, Lolly, being a fixer will get you arrogant. Being a navigator will empower people. Which do you want to be? That's the practical side of this whole system that you could ask yourself. You could almost coach yourself. Okay. So let's go keep going with that, that, um, that example too. And the idea of just navigation. I definitely understand on the the other end of the spectrum or, or the, the fixer idea of, of saying, oh, these are the things you should have done. These are the things you should do. But I, uh, the navigator, that's a little more nebulous for me. So how, how does one be a navigator? How do we navigate like as a, a good leader would? Yeah. So first of all, it's very important to understand the fixer before we could navigate because you first have to understand the deeper level because it's almost like saying, oh, I have a cut, but I'm not going to put it, I'm not going to find out how I cut it and I'll bleed out and I won't put, I'll just cover it up and it'll be fine. So we have to first figure out why we tend to be a fixer before we could navigate. And a fixer has a couple of characteristics that's very important that stand out. A fixer wants to be liked. A fixer wants to be appreciated and a fixer wants to be noticed and loves to please. And if these are some of the traits that you have, the default will be if someone comes to say, I need help, you'll be like, yeah, 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 I could help you because then you'll be liked. You you know, people will be pleased by what you do and it makes you feel good. So the first thing we have to do is fix the fixer, find out what our triggers are and find out why we need to be always fixing. Number two is to become a great navigator is to draw a line in the sand and say to yourself, anytime someone says to me, I have a problem, ask yourself what you need to do. It sounds like this. If someone says, I have a problem, you say, and what is your problem? To ask open-ended questions. If someone says, I have a problem, say, how do you think I could help you? Always ask something instead of coming with the solution. But if they say, I really need your help, you seem to have done it before, what did you do? Then you can say something like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Always in a form of a question instead of a form of a statement. Because when you have open-ended questions and when you invite conversation with, with questions, people feel empowered. They feel engaged. And this is how you can help the navigator be more of a navigator. And another thing it's really important is to notice that a navigator is someone that is not about closing a conversation, but is about opening a conversation. It's about being very practical and being pragmatic in ways that you ask your questions. And this really has a longevity in a relationship instead of closing off a relationship. Got it. 
And I'm curious too, then some of these others, maybe we can kind of briefly go through some of these archetypes because I think this would be kind of interesting. You mentioned a couple. So you mentioned the rebel, the explorer, the truth teller. There's also the hero, the inventor, the navigator, which we just kind of expanded on a little bit, and the knight. You know, I'm, I'm curious, like, would it be worthwhile for us to kind of explore these just briefly and, uh, and talk about that? Whatever you want. I mean, the great thing about this, talking about this, um, one of the things, every time I teach this in a workshop, people say, how do you know me so well? How did you know this is where I go? How did you know? And, and the gaps are not, there's not things that people say, oh, that's me. But people recognize it in themselves and they might not like it about themselves. But the truth is we have to have the dark and the light in order to be great. You can't just have one. You can't have good without the bad, and you can't have failure without success. You need both. So knowing the gaps always will give us our greatness. So if you want me to go through this, I can, or if you want to pick out one other, we yeah. can. Whatever you feel Absolutely. would help everybody listening on you know, on this podcast. Well, I think that, yeah, I, I don't think it's probably worthwhile going through all of it, because obviously that's what the book is for, and I'm guessing that would take just too much time here. But maybe we can dig into one or two of these a little bit more. But you just said something that made me think of another line of questioning that I think would be kind of interesting. So when, when you're in those situations, you, you mentioned that some people say to you, like, how do you know me so well? So when you're applying this, these principles, these, the, this, this philosophy, and you're able to identify people and, and they come back and they say, yeah, that's it, that's it. How, did you, how did you know that was me? What's your internal process? What's your mechanism to do that? Are you identifying the gaps? And then from there, like kind of identifying what that, that archetype is for that person's leadership style? You ask such great questions. I'm not doing any of that. Okay. That's what's so brilliant. I'm not. Because what makes these archetypes so make, I, I think they're a work of art. And it, it's not something because it's my work. It's because they work every single time over and over and over again. Why? Is because all of these are within us. If we like it or not, they reside within us. And at some time or another, we have deceived, we have manipulated, we had the self-serving parts to ourselves. We have done things that feel that we have self-doubt. These are universal things. It's almost that they come with who we are. They're part of our DNA. It's not something that I've made up, but as working with individuals for so long, there seems to be patterns that happen within each one of us. And so when someone says, you know me, yeah, I know you because I've seen it in someone else. And I've seen it 10 times and 30 times and 40 times, coaching hundreds and hundreds of people. After a while, there are themes that keep coming up over and over and over again. And these are the themes that I saw over and over again. And that's how the system was developed. Right. And so I'm curious about that, though, like, because there must be some sort of process you do go through, though, because you've been through so many of these conversations you've had. You just have this you know, sixth sense for it, so to speak. I think like anybody who's really great at what they do starts to develop like that additional sense or flow or, or what have you in their work to identify things that somebody who's newer or not quite as, you know, experienced in the space would struggle with kind of identifying things so quickly, right? So I think, you know, in, inside you're still going through some sort of process. I'm curious, like, I guess that's what I'm, I would be really curious about is like, I, I wonder, you're having these conversations, you're noticing some of these themes. What are the things that that you are able to, and maybe, maybe it's not an example of like your process, but maybe just give us an example of like some of the themes that do come up again and again and how you spot them. What well, great questions. Great, great questions. So you said something that is very worthwhile to repeat. And you sure. said, you know, Lolly, what's your process? And mm -hmm. so you said, you must be intuitive. Absolutely. What is intuition? 
Intuition is knowledge that we have stored away in the brain. People think intuition is just like something that they can pull out of the, uh, you know, out of a bag. But the truth is science says is that intuition is something that we've experienced before and we've stored it in our mind. Our minds are like computers, the little chips in our brain. And so when something comes up and we go, oh, that's familiar, and they compute in your head and you, and all of a sudden you just, you say, I know what that is. That's intuition. It's because you've connected the dots and now you can say, I know for a fact that's what we're talking about. So after a while, yes, it's my intuition. One of the things that I've noticed is that it's very important for me to be present with an individual. When I am fully present and not thinking about a thousand other things, but really listening to someone, it's very easy for me to be intuitive with that person. It comes very quickly to me. Why? Because as you said so brilliantly, I go with the flow. And I let go of all my pre, you know, I don't make a judgment about anybody ever. I never walk into a workshop or coach someone and say, they're a rebel, but they're an imposter. They're an exploiter or they're an explorer. I never do that. I show up and I allow that person to let themselves be seen and they show me who they are. And it's this intuitiveness that I can tap into because I've seen it before. Does that make sense? It's, it's almost like it all clicks together mm -hmm. by being a witness to seeing someone. Sure. So, okay. So here will be another example that I think will be fun to kind of talk a little bit about. So what's the tell for, <laughs> for somebody like, I guess, you know, I guess if we look at the inverse or, or, or however we look at this, say somebody like the knight, um, the, I guess the inverse or the, the gapping, the yeah. mercenary, what's the tell for that? Oh yeah. It's in, it's there in the language. So I'll give you an example. I was called in by a board to say, you need to help one of our CEOs He's just a horrible leader. He's great with his competencies, but he's horrible with the people. And people just don't like him. And we're losing lots and lots of revenue. And people don't want to stay with the company. And so I was like, okay, I'll go and meet him and I'll have a meeting with him. And so I met with him and he didn't really like that I was meeting with him. He wasn't that friendly. And I said, so I said, why do you think we have this meeting? And he said, oh, you want to know why we have this meeting? The people that I work with, they don't do this for me. They don't do that for me. They, they don't know how to show up for me. They don't know how to protect me. They don't know how to do this for me. And I was like thinking, what's the tell? Me, 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 yeah. me, me, me. And it was like so obvious that I said to him, I said, you know, I'm not your coach. I could never be your coach. And he's like, why? And I said, because it's everybody else's fault. It's never your fault. And he goes, well, they don't know how to do things. And I said, that's exactly why I can't be your coach. Because for me, a true leader takes accountability and responsibility. And I just don't want to work with you. And I put the meeting to an end and I walked away. Hence, we've been together seven years. He called me an hour later and says, you're exactly the person I need. But at that moment, it was in the language. People say things and they don't realize things, but it's usually their tell. In the book, do you cover that at all? Like, or, or from the book, could I, I, cause yeah. I, I think the tell aspect of things is very fascinating. I, that's what yes. I, I find is the most interesting part because obviously if, I guess if there must be a tell and I can probably, you know, catch my inner monologue or if I'm working with other people, we should be able to say, yeah, okay, that's the tell. That's, this is what this is then. And this means this person is like playing the imposter right now and, and shouldn't be, they should be the rebel, for example. So does your book kind of expand on that? Yeah, the tell is in the language and you'll find the language in the book over and over and over again. It'll tell you what the what the imposter says, it'll tell you what the rebel says, and it'll tell you how they say it and absolutely. Perfect. So I think this is a 
the, the, a great segue then to talk a little bit about some of the pre-order bonuses that you have available for people who, who purchase the book early before May. They're available up to May 16th. I see them on your website. If you're listening to this right now, go to theleadershipgapbook.com and it'll be in the show notes. And you have a bunch of bonuses here, but tell me a little bit about some of the stuff you're giving away if people order a copy of the book. So even if you just order one copy of the book as a pre-order, you get an assessment. And this assessment is so educational because you just talked about what are the tells. This is like a mini ebook about what are the gaps? What, are, what is the greatness that we can stand in? And it tells you the language of what a rebel sounds like. And it shows you what, a, what the gap of that rebel looks like and sounds like. And that assessment, usually for any individual that buys it within a company, is usually $97. But buying the book for just $23.22, you get the assessment and the book as a pre-order bonus. So it's worth it. It's priceless. And people really enjoy the assessment. Now, this is what I've done with the assessment. Because the science is so complicated behind my work, I had to make the assessment really simple and a lot of fun. So the assessment takes you less than two seconds, but what you get at the end is kind of complicated and robust. And that's what's so magnificent about the assessment. So I try not to make things complicated. I try to make it easy and fun so you get the education at the end. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pre-order my copy so that I'll be able to read through this stuff and, and share a little bit more about it when I when it comes out. So excited about that. Awesome stuff, Lolly. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate your time. With that being said, where else can people find you, listen to you, read your work, uh, you know, get in contact with you? What's, you know, the floor is yours. Thank you for that. So I love to connect with people. I am on my website, which is lollydaskell.com, but I'm always on Twitter and my I'm on LinkedIn at lollydaskell.com. I mean at lollydaskell. And I write for Inc. I write a hundred articles a month. I write every single day an article for Inc. So usually people share my articles and then write me little notes and I write back. So again, find me on any platform of social media. I'm present. Look me up on my website, contact me. I'm there. I'm here to serve. Lolly, I appreciate it. And for those who are listening, definitely check out the show notes. Just go to tomworkus.com slash podcast. And uh, other than that, Lolly, thank you so much for being on the call with us today. Thank you so much. What an honor this was. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.